The scripture that was read earlier came from the ninth chapter of Genesis, and the reading began at the eighth through the seventeenth verses. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud, and I remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, there, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now, this is a, a, a passage of scripture that speaks specifically to God establishing a covenant with Noah. In the context of this, here's what I want to say before we get too far. Something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. On Wednesday of last week, a shooter opened fire at a Florida high school and in just six minutes killed 17 people with an AR-15 rifle and sent scores of students running for their lives out into the street. The shooter, a 19-year-old former student, was arrested without incident after he was located off the school grounds, after he had eaten at McDonald's, after he had completed his task. Something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. According to CNN, 84 children have died from the flu since October. That's two fewer than this point in the 2015 flu season, which ended up killing 148 children. And most people are predicting that the number will get as high as that. This particular strain of the flu seems a bit unusual, and it's causing the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, some alarm because it seems somehow to be impervious to this particular flu. This, incidentally, as I noticed, is not happening anywhere else in the world. Something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. According to USA Today, the EPA, or the Environmental Protection Agency, their administrator, Scott Pruitt, asserted that global warming might be beneficial because humans have mostly flourished during warming trends. In an interview with KSNV-TV in Las Vegas this week, he acknowledged that human activity contributes to global warming and that no one disputes climate changes, but he questioned whether or not this is an existential threat. So he goes on and says, listen, we have mostly flourished during warming seasons. And he says, I think there are assumptions made because the climate is warming and that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing. 
Do we really know, he says, what the ideal surface temperature should be in the year 2100 in 2018? Now, I struggle with this because in the midst of seeing all kinds of things happen with the solar caps melting and sea levels rising and strange things happening, when the head of the EPA is suggesting that a warming of the earth, the melting of solar caps at unprecedented levels, which has never been seen before, is a good thing, something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. Now, I could cite more and more and many, many other things, but suffice it to say, it would appear to me, as I look at these things, that something has been unleashed in these United States. For sure, there have been school shootings before. We understand that. And there have been deadly diseases before. We understand that. But somehow, somehow, things feel a little bit different this time. I'm not quite sure how to put my finger on it yet, but suffice it to say something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. Now, as we read our scripture, and where God says, never again shall the water become flood to destroy all flesh. That's what the word says. Never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. And it is in that vein, with that promise, that I want to speak today from the subject, the fire next time. The fire next time. Let us pray. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Lord, it was felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed? Lord God Almighty, we thank you, Lord, for this privilege to now preach your word. Lord, no one in this church came to hear me. They came to hear you. So, Father, if this word is prophetic, may it be according to your will. If this word is going to edify the body, may it be according to your will. If this word provides hope to those who are in despair, may it be according to your will. Lord, but one thing we ask, that may it not tickle the ears of those who are looking for some entertainment. Father, we thank you now, Lord, for invoking and bringing your spirit and residing with us. Now preach to the preacher. Speak, Lord, a word that transforms and changes lives. And when we leave here, we will be the better for having been in the house of the Lord one more time. Thank you, Father, for a people that will listen and hearts that will hear what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Before we talk about God's new covenant that he establishes with Noah, it is important for us to take a look at what brought us to this point. This statement that God made about this covenant is in stark declaration or stark contrast to what we talked about in previous weeks where we said that God, after he had created everything, the heavens and the earth, the creatures and everything, that behold, God saw that it was good. Recall what we had learned, that when God says something is good, it doesn't mean that it is contrary to bad. It simply means that good is the way God wants it to be. 
Whenever God says something is good, that's because it means it's the way he wants it to be. So if something is contrary to the way God wants it to be, then it is not good, not necessarily bad. So when God said, listen, he created man, and then he, 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 he looked at man as man was naming all the creatures, and God said, wait a second, it is not good for man to be alone, didn't mean that it was bad for man to be single. What it meant was it's not the way God wanted it to be. So God created woman and says, now this is good. This is very good because God is making an emphatic statement that this is the way that he wants it to be. That's what good means whenever you read the text. Now, it's astounding to me that after just 10 generations from Adam, human beings had become so wicked, so evil, so violent, and so corrupt that they degraded God's good creation into something that was no longer good. More specifically, when we read the sixth chapter of Genesis, here's what we find in the first verse. Now it came about when men, watch this, began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves whom they chose. Then the Lord said, watch this, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Now, I'll jump down to verse 5 where it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So here's what we need to understand about what brought us to the covenant. Number one, the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth was filled with violence. The earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Everything that God had declared good was so infected by sin, evil, corruption, and violence that the creation no longer reflected a good and holy God. In fact, in fact, wickedness, watch this, had increased to such a degree that God had no choice but to wipe out all humanity and all living creatures and start over. The scriptures stresses that mankind's wickedness had actually come to a place. Now listen, they were doing bad stuff since Adam. Cain killed Abel. They were doing bad stuff since Adam. God could have said, wait a second, sin is in the world. Let me wipe them out now before it goes too far. But he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And what the scripture is telling us, that the wickedness kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it got to a degree that God now declared judgment is necessary. What I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you let a little bit of iniquity into your life, 
what ends up happening is not that you have hope to be better, is that the state that you are today is going to be far worse when you get to tomorrow. Sin and evil has a way of continuously degrading and depraving you that you cannot get better on your own. And so when you think of all of God's creation, listen, can you imagine how bad sin is when a man kills another, when, let's even go a bit further, when Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden, the sin and the infestation of evil was so bad that God even had to kill the animals. Sin, like any disease, is infectious. And all you need to do is to come into its presence and it will turn you dark as it is. So God says the sin and the stench of wickedness had reached such an epidemic level that God can no longer ignore it. How bad do you think you and I have to become to the point where God says, I have given up on you? Those are words I would never want to hear from God. I can't even handle hearing that from my parents and my family. You are so bad that I have given up on you. It's like saying you were better off dead. That's how bad this is. And I want to paint the picture for you because God, who is a loving God, a benevolent God, a merciful God, a God that is full of grace, was now pushed to the point where he says, there is no hope for you but destruction. How bad do you have to be for God, who has a perfect loving heart, to turn away from you? That's a sad state of affairs. I don't know about you, but that distresses me. And the Bible says man was not only evil, he was evil continually. In other words, you can get to the place where you're so evil that you no longer feel ashamed. Where you now have a license to do whatever it is that you want to do because you know what? I'm God all by myself. There was a time where, when I was growing up, where if I spoke to an adult in a disrespectful way, the, 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 I, I wouldn't get, make it to there before my parents and maybe even that same adult put a whipping on me. But what was interesting, and I remember, I'm not trying to admit that I was disrespectful, but I remember when I was one time and before anything was said, in my heart I felt a sense of shame. Just for speaking to an adult in an inappropriate way, I felt a sense of shame. Can we say that about this generation? That right now goes around and calls adults by their first names. There is a sense that you are here. There is a sense of entitlement in this world that we have not seen before in previous generations. What I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is that the state that we find ourselves in today is worse than where we were and used to be. Sin degrades you. Sin takes you down a road of deterioration where you cannot even sometimes recognize your own evil. And God turns away from that. So we have become a God unto ourselves and so God sent a flood. Now to be clear, watch this. The purpose of the flood was not to wipe out or even to repair human conduct. It wasn't, it, 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 it was actually, there's a reason why God says 
Noah found favor in his sight. You see, many people read this, and the, 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 the Hebrew word they use for righteousness there is tzaddik. And, and we, we read that and say that means Noah was a really good man, that he was a perfect man. And so God would wipe out the entire world, but he would save Noah because something about Noah was good. Isn't that a nice thing to say? That out of all the evil in the world, this one person escapes sin. He, somehow he is exempt from all the evil in, in the world. That, that's nice to read, but brothers and sisters, that ain't what happened. Trust me, that ain't what happened. Don't think for one minute that Noah and his family were so good that God is going to say, I'm going to wipe out the evil in all of mankind, but Noah and his family, you guys are, you're all right by me. Trust me, that ain't what happened. So let me jump back again to verse 1 in Genesis, the sixth chapter. Listen carefully to what I read. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. That, that, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they choose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he's also flesh. You see, what I want you to understand is that Noah and his family was seeing all this stuff that was going on in the world. I'm not, for the purposes of this sermon, going to talk about what is meant by the sons of God. The only thing I want to tell you is that this, these sons of God, whatever they are, saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful. So what they came now, and they brought corruptible seed into God's good creation. So what was happening now is people were marrying and getting married, and they were cross-pollinating, and they were doing all these, these crazy things. What happened was God was looking at this seed that was being transmitted across all of his people, and he says, this is out of control. Not only were they evil, not only did sin enter into the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed, but now this new thing that is going on has now introduced evil of a different kind. You see, brothers and sisters, what I want you to understand is sometimes, sometimes you're not even aware of what you have allowed into your system and your space. So right now, these sons of God, whatever they are, was corrupting now on a different level. And God looked at Noah, and Noah was like, I ain't touching that. Noah and his family was like, nah, we, 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 nah, we're good. <laughs> we're from Wakunda. <laughs> we're good, Right? What I'm trying to explain to you that the only thing that was good about Noah was that his family and him was not a part of what the foolishness was going on. You see, you always have to recognize that the evil that you see in the world is not always for you to be a part of. Some things you need to stay away from. Some things you need to say, that's good for you, but it ain't for me. There are some things that I can say, listen, I, I, I feel you, but I really don't. And God looked at Noah and his family and said, and that's why God always talks about leaving a remnant. There is always a people that will always, despite how hard things get in life. Listen, the time will come. The time will come when you are going to be asked to compromise your values and your God. And the question is going to become, how strong is your faith? Then are you willing to say, listen, I stand with the blood of Jesus Christ and be able to stand on a street corner, declare that to be your truth, even if it means ridicule from the greater society. How strong is your faith? 
which is why we say we are a city on a hill in our mission statement. What? Deeply rooted in our faith. The reason we say that in this church is because we want to make sure it's very clear that come hell or high water, when the world around us starts to change and we start seeing things, one thing is for sure, as long as this building is on this corner, we declare the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. So you may walk in and say, hey, pastor, because you are tax exempt, we need you to do ABC. I go, listen, keep your tax exemption because my God is a provider. He will provide according to his riches in glory. Who is the God you serve? Well, we need you to bow down to this statue. Listen to me. Listen, I know my God is able. But even if he does not, I will not bow down to your statue. We are, God is looking for a certain kind of believer. The kind that will stand on his principles and his conviction, even if it means your very lives. Noah said no to the foolishness. Noah wasn't that good. Noah wasn't that great. He wasn't such a perfect man. He just simply said, no, I'm not doing that thing. I'm doing other things, <laughs> but I'm not doing that thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to desecrate the altar and the temple of the Lord. I might sit in the back, but I'm not going to present myself unholy to a holy God. There are some things that is just too far, and I'm not going to go down that road. Are you hearing me, church? So that's what was going on with Noah. So again, my purpose is not to talk about the sons of God. That's a different sermon. When I start talking to you about the presence of demons, we'll talk about that. But right now, I just want you to stay with me and to recognize that what was going on in the world was something that Noah and his family did not want to be a part of. So God destroyed the world, the entire world, because their level of corruption was so bad that it was a stench as a cesspool onto God's nostrils. The wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. The earth was filled with violence. The earth was corrupt. So God destroyed the world. So the question becomes, Reverend Boyd, what does all of that have to do with the United States of America? Well, I'm kind of glad you asked. You see, I started out by saying that something dreadfully wrong is going on with the United States of America. And I further stated that it appears to me that something has been unleashed now in these United States, the likes of which we had not seen before. So let's look at a few, just a few statistics. And again, I want you to be wise. According to the United States Bureau of Justice, 2.2 million adults are incarcerated in U.S. prisons, which is about one in every 110 adults. Keep in mind now that the United States makes up about 5% of the entire world's population, yet we have 21% of the world's prisoners. Hmm. Secondly, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, not my word, theirs, US arms contractors, gun manufacturers, sold $209.7 billion in weaponry in 2015, representing, watch this, 56% of the world's production of 
arms that kill people. The United States, number three, operates approximately 800 military bases globally while deploying its special operations forces to, to a significant majority of the planet's countries. Now, the implication there is how, are, how is the United States involving itself in other world's affairs? I'm just saying. It is now estimated that there are, watch this, more than 300 million guns in the hands of everyday Americans, nearly to arm every citizen in this country. There are 700, 750,000 Americans who are homeless on any given night, with one in five considered chronically homeless. A few more. Corporate greed is at an all-time high, where we see that CEOs of major corporations make as much as 185 times more than the average production worker. There's a dis I don't know what you're seeing or hearing, but, but finally, back in 1980, and this one blew my mind, the top 1% earned an average of $1.3 million a year. This is a, this is a person. The average person in 1% of America earns $1.3 million a year. Meanwhile, the bottom 50% of Americans earned an average of, watch this, pre-tax income of $16,000. And that hasn't changed in over three decades. Now, I want to be clear. I am not bashing the United States of America as if it's the worst place to live. Trust me, I ain't doing that. To the contrary, this is the greatest experiment that has ever been seen in terms of human self-governance. Be clear, right? The Constitution of the United States is a really great document if they follow it, right? But what I'm saying is that the principles under which this nation was founded, individual liberty, representative government, separation of powers and the various checks and balances, religious freedom, equality under the law. All of these principles are really good principles if you follow them, if you follow them. But we end up following the money. But something has gone dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. It seems we have lost our way. We have forgotten the things that made this nation great. When neo-Nazis feel emboldened enough to walk into streets chanting, Jews will not replace us, something is dreadfully wrong with the United States. When innocent black boys and black men can be gunned down in streets with incriminating video evidence still being insufficient to warrant a conviction, something is dreadfully wrong with these United States. When a white male can walk into the busiest airport in this United States carrying an AR-15 assault rifle and walk out unscathed, yet a black male is killed for looking at a BB gun in Walmart, something is dreadfully wrong with these United States. When heroin use is deemed a national crisis and crack cocaine was considered criminal, and the only difference being the community which is being affected, something is dreadfully wrong with these United States. 
when a lone gunman can walk into a middle school in Connecticut and kill innocent children and babies, something is dreadfully wrong with these United States. When the nation's leaders, who are immigrants themselves, can turn their backs on fellow human beings created in the image of Almighty God, something is dreadfully wrong with these United States. Well, now, two more. Two more. When a confessed woman abuser can be elected to the highest office in the land, something is dreadfully wrong with the United States. But all of that is bad. But here's the part that make the one that makes me the most upset. When the evangelical church can turn a blind eye and pretend that they don't see what's going on and claim Jesus and proclaim Lord God, when they can turn their eyes away from morality in order to be able to achieve political gain, we have sunk to a new low. So I'm giving you all of this because I want you to understand that the reason why people don't like the church is because we're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. I am saying it to the church. We are hypocrites. We talk out of two sides of our mouth. On this side we say, Lord, Lord, and on this side we condemn. Can you create anything? Can you breathe breath of life into persons? What makes you think then you have any power or authority if not God has given you the right to be stewards? Stewards. Listen, you can accumulate all the money you want. You can do all, buy the biggest houses you want, the fanciest car you want. Trust me, you're killing yourself to do it for somebody else to live in it. The only thing that matters, and I'm speaking the truth to the church, I'm telling you right now, it grieves my heart to stand in a pulpit Sunday after Sunday when I know that people are struggling in their lives, looking for something from a God that we are saying is wonderful. He is. But you need to understand that his ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. And because we, as the Bible tells us, think of evil continually, God has to step in. So I'm telling you, something is dreadfully wrong with the United States of America. You can agree or disagree, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that something is dreadfully wrong with these United States of America. So my only point that I'm making is that if we look right now at these United States, can we agree and say that wickedness of the people here is great. Yes. Can we say that every imagination of the thoughts of our hearts in these United States are evil continually? Yes. Can we say that these United States is filled with violence? Yes, we can say that. Can we say that every flesh is corrupted in some way? Yes. So what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, is that the very reason why God destroyed the earth with the flood in the first place is the very thing that we are demonstrating today. So as I think about the scriptures, I say to myself, Lord, 
Why haven't you destroyed us yet? What is it about us that you are still giving us grace? What's going on? Well, well, as we get ready to close up, in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and the 37th through the 39th verse, Jesus is recorded as saying, but as in the days of Noah, also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus used the flood narrative as an example of what the world will be like before he comes and sets up his kingdom. The unexpectedness came and it hit them because no one was paying attention to the signs of the times. Conditions were similar to the flood time. And so Jesus is saying, listen, listen, listen. Jesus is saying, pay attention. Wake up. The signs are there. There will be rumors, wars, and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. Now, when you see these things happening, listen, don't get scared. You're just seeing birth pains. It's on its way, but pay attention to the signs. But we are told something very different in the Genesis account. Here's what God says. I establish my covenant with you, Noah, and your children. And, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by water or the flood. Neither shall there again be any flood to destroy the earth. Jesus is clear that the destruction of the world is coming. And as it was in the days of Noah, be on your guard. But God is very clear that he would not destroy the earth by flood. Why? I believe it will be the fire next time. It will be the fire next time. Second Peter, the third chapter and the third verse as I close. Peter says this, first of all, hear me through your spirits, not through your ears. First of all, Peter says, I want you to know that in the last days, men will laugh at the truth. They will follow their own sinful desires. They will say, oh, he promised to come again. Where is he? Since our early fathers died, everything is the same from the beginning of the world. But they want to forget that God spoke and the heavens were made long ago. This is Peter talking. The earth was made out of water and water was all around it. Long ago, the earth was covered with water and it was destroyed. Verse 7, but the heaven we see now and the earth we live on now have been kept by his word. Let me stop right there. You want to know the reason why we are still here? It's because we have been kept by his word. God has a time, and we have been kept by his word. But Peter's not done. Peter says, we have been kept by his word. They will be kept until they are to be destroyed by fire. They will be kept until the day men stand before God and sinners will be destroyed. Dear friends, Peter says, remember this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand and a thousand years are as one day. The Lord is not slow about keeping his promise as some people think. He is waiting for you. The Lord does not want any person to be perished 
to be punished forever. He wants all people to be sorry for their sins and turn from them. Listen, the day of the Lord will come as a robber comes. The heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The sun and the moons and the stars will burn up. The earth and all that is in it will be burned up. Yes, indeed, my brothers and sisters, it won't be by the flood. It will be by fire next time. Not by a flood of water, but fire next time. And so the question I have for you today is, do you want to be living in a house that is burning down? If your answer is no, then God has made a way of escape for you and for me. As I shared earlier, God saved Noah and his family. Not because they were such good people. No. It was because they had the right bloodline. <laughs> they had the right bloodline. And that same bloodline is available to you and me today. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he purified the bloodline of all those that would believe and call out to him. Jesus is the perfect and sinless Lamb of God that takes away all the sins of the world. He did this for me and he will do it for you. In these last days, as it were in the days of Noah, Jesus Christ, he is the ark of God and that has been prepared for you and for me. And as we are told in John 17, none that the Father has given me will I lose. Are you one of his if so, if so, we welcome you into the safety of God's ark. I have a desire in this church. When I answered my call to ministry, I was very clear that God, I will do everything I can to get as much people to know the truth for themselves. Not once in this sermon or any sermon that I have ever preached, have I ever said to any one of you, you better do this or you better do that? I give you the scriptures. And I say, you tell me for yourself. But God wants to see every one of you come into the ark of his love. We ain't perfect people. And we ain't trying to be. But we are. But what we are is we're trying to help you find life. Jesus did not come so that bad people could be good. No. Jesus came. So that dead people can live. That's the reason why we do what we do here. So as I ask you all to stand at this time. Recognize that Jesus Christ is the ark of God. The ark of salvation. Recognize that what he offers to you and to all of us. Is something that is a free, holy and wonderful gift. If that is you here today. And you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. For yourself. If you have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart for yourself, this is your opportunity to get into the ark of salvation. We want to see none of you perish. And listen, we all must walk this way. You may think I got a fancy robe on, but believe me, I had to walk this way. We all who are believers had to walk this way. So if that is you, don't let anybody stop you. Don't let fear or anything. Just come. Just come and say, listen, I heard the message and I want to be in the ark of God. Just come that we may receive you into his 